Well, have you ever been talking to someone? Maybe it's someone that you've known for a little while and uh, never really talked to them that much, and then all of a sudden they seem very interested in you, just all of a sudden. Or maybe even you struck up a new friendship with someone only to discover that like that person who was suddenly showing interest in you out of nowhere, it was because they wanted something from you. And even if you've never had that happen, you put yourself in those shoes of someone who thinks, wow, this this person is taking an interest in me, only to figure out, well, they're doing it because they're trying to position me later to do something for them. And there's no other word I can come up with for that, but that we would feel used. You just feel used. And I remember my son one time, uh, this was about middle school. You know, those are usually fun years of the life of a child. And... And uh, I remember he was realizing that some of the people that he thought were his friends really weren't his friends. And I remember he was upset by that. And, and rightfully so. Because it, you realize that, okay, they, so, a couple of those people just didn't care about me as much as I thought they did or didn't care as much about me as I cared about them. And we see in, uh, in, in what we're looking at today uh, in namely in Acts the beginning of Acts chapter 5 in just a moment about someone who has uh, who really has an incorrect attitude about something now something I've heard from several of you in the last few years is Greg I like to hear something on Sunday that I can put in practice on Monday well of course, I always think, well, why do you need to wait till Monday? You know, why can't you just, you know, do it as soon as you walk out the doors? But today, I think you're going to hear something that uh, you can put into practice uh, as soon as we dismiss this morning. Uh, you know, we're going to talk a little later about habit. And I think it's, if you're not in the habit of something we're going to talk about this morning, then you can, you can start getting in that habit. And at this point, you may think, well, Greg, what are you talking about? You're talking in riddles here. Well, we're going to get to that, okay? Acts chapter 4, beginning at the end of of the chapter, verse 36. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not just you have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. 
Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, How could you conspire to test the Spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Well, that's just a happy section of scripture, isn't it, church family? Yeah. uh, You look at... Luke gives us a clear contrast in two different types of servants. And that's the title of this morning's message is A Tale of Two Servants. We might say A Tale of Two Types of Servants. But that sounded less Dickinsonian, I guess. So, anyway. You've got Barnabas, son of encouragement. He sells some property he owns that I guess he's not using at the time and lays it at the apostles' feet. Now, to go back and remind us of what's going on here, uh, Tom had mentioned Pentecost earlier in, in his communion meditation. So, Pentecost has recently happened, and so people had come, and they had gathered in the holy city of Jerusalem. And so, what happens when you take a trip somewhere? Now, these were, it was Jewish folks that are coming to the festival at Pentecost. You take a trip somewhere, you pack for the appropriate number of days that you're going to be traveling. If you're at all like me, and especially if you're flying, you know that sometimes you can end up delayed and your trip lasts a day or so longer than you expected. So maybe you pack some extra stuff. But these folks came and they heard the preaching of Peter and they were baptized into Christ. And they don't want to leave. And so that's why it was necessary to give money and lay it at the apostles' feet so they could distribute it is because you had people who had planned to be in Jerusalem for a certain number of days. Well, they didn't want to leave. They had heard about the truth of the gospel. They had heard the good news. They, had, they were baptized. Like Tom mentioned, new Christians, they're on fire. They're gathering at the temple courts. They're breaking bread daily. We get a, a, a glimpse of this in Acts 2 and Acts 4. And so they don't want to leave except that they're running out of money. In first century Jerusalem, they didn't have ATMs handy where they could go and get more money out of their account to prolong their trip. No. So what's happening? The local folks that have the means are giving money so that these people can be fed and they can be housed and and so that they they can have provisions because they don't want these people to have to go home. They're gathering daily and breaking bread and praising God. And it is like this amazing, think about the most amazing gospel meeting or revival service you've ever attended in your life. And that's what's going on here. And they just don't want to leave. And so the problem here though is not just that 
Ananias and Sapphira, the problem isn't that they held back part of the money. The problem is that they lied about it. Barnabas has got a good attitude. He's described here as someone who is someone who is faithful and upright, that he is this son of encouragement. And see, he goes and does a nice thing. And then Ananias and Sapphira, the impression we get here is that one wants to be generous and the other, being Ananias and Sapphira, they want the appearance of being generous. If they had just showed up, Ananias walks in and says to Peter, Peter, we sold some land and we want to, to help out the church and we, we want to we help out the, these new converts. But here's part of the money. We're going to keep part of it ourselves, but, but we're going to give this part. If he had just been honest about it, but we get the impression here that he's, he's wanting people to think that this is what we got for selling the land. And so then Sapphira comes in and Peter asks her, straight up, is this what you, is this what you got for the land? If she had just said no, you know, we actually, we actually got more than this, but we, we felt the need to keep some of it for ourselves. But here's what we felt like we could afford to give. I don't see it as a problem. The problem was that she just, as we would say, bold-faced lied about it. And so what you have here is a tale of two types of servants. What you have here is really a tale of two different types of hearts, isn't it, church family? Yeah, we can go all the way back to the early chapters of Genesis. We can go back to Cain and Abel, can't we? For two, two servants bringing their gift and laying it at the altar. One is accepted and one is rejected. Not because of the, the, the sacrifice itself or the gift was not good enough. What we learn in that story is that one of the brothers, it was their heart that was in the wrong place. We read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And what we see is that it's really all about two things, the condition of your heart and relationships. Because how we interact with other people, how we treat other people matters to God. It matters greatly to God. And so, and so we get this sort of strange and even kind of troubling story here. And the people that see this going on, we're told that uh, great fear sees the whole church and all who heard about these events. Why? Because God is going to judge at some point. And some he seems to judge at the moment and, and seem to make an example out of them. That that kind of heart 
that that kind of false generosity is just not something he's going to accept. Now, we turn over in Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11, I want to begin with verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed travel as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Now, I want to stop there for a moment. Because we're told right here, in verse 19, those who had been scattered by the person that broke out, they went other places. And what's happening, church family? What's happening? Because the church was scattered, more people are hearing the good news of the gospel, aren't they? You know, the, the, people, the people who persecuted Stephen, uh, the, the Jewish leaders who wanted to put a stop to all this, they didn't realize that all they were doing was adding accelerant to an already existing fire. You ever had a campfire or a bonfire and then somebody decides to douse it with some fuel? Some of you are laughing. I know you've done it before. Right? You take some, some gasoline, kerosene, some lighter fluid, something, and you douse the flames and what happens? And then people lose eyebrows. And so, and so that's exactly what's happening with the early church. They're going and some, some are talking just to Jews. But then some are going and they're talking to the Greeks. And they're talking to the Greek speakers in these different places. And, and so whether it's Jews, whether it's Gentiles, but something that I've pointed out before, I pointed out again, uh, because Luke wants us to hear this. He keeps repeating it in the book of Acts. Uh, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. The church continues to grow in the face of opposition. I bring that point out. It's not the main point of today's, it's not today's focus. But I bring it out simply, church family, as a reminder that God is with his servants when they are faced with opposition. Opposition creates opportunity. Let me say that again. Opposition creates opportunity. Sometimes we have to work harder. Sometimes we have to work smarter. Sometimes we have to be more creative. Sometimes it means we get out of our area of comfort. These folks had to do some traveling. But the Word of God, the good news about Jesus, is spreading throughout not just now Judea, not just throughout Israel, but it is spreading throughout the region. And so, 
Picking back up with verse 22, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. So they say, you know, we need to send somebody who can encourage these new Christians. We need to send somebody who can help them lay a more firm foundation in their newfound faith. And so who do they send? Well, they send Barnabas. They send the encourager. And so what does he do? Well, he's true to his name, Luke tells us. He was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. A few weeks ago, I hollered out at Tom. Boy, Tom, you've just been a focus of things lately, haven't you, brother? And so I hollered out at Tom. I said, hey, I said, sign me up for World Bible School. Well, he sent me the link. And so, and then the week went by and he came back the next Sunday and said, hey, did you click that link and get set up? No, I didn't. <laughs> and so I, I didn't want him to ask me again. So the next week, you better believe, I clicked the link and got signed up. And so Tom, now I got my first student. And uh, I haven't had a chance, but what, what, what do they tell you when, you, when you, there's a student available? They say, hey, they signed up, but they haven't completed anything yet. And so you could send them a word of what? Encouragement. Yeah. Those of you that done it, they, they tell you, hey, this person needs what? They need encouragement. And so a guy named Don in New York, I sent Don some encouragement. I introduced myself. And this morning in the bathroom, I'm shaving, and I see an email that says, Hey, Don replied to your message. Well, I haven't looked at Don's message yet, okay? I'm excited to see what Don's got to say this afternoon. But the point being is that encouragement is what people need. If it wasn't what people needed, we wouldn't be reading about it here in the book of Acts. Church family... What does it cost you to encourage somebody? Right? Absolutely nothing. You just have to do what to encourage somebody? You have to care. You have to care. That's all you have to do to encourage somebody. To just have a genuine interest in somebody else feeling good and getting better at something. Boy, when I, I talk to a coach and their eyes light up when they tell me about students who get better. Because when they're coaching those students, it's not about football or baseball or basketball or softball. It's about a person, isn't it, coaches? It's about a person learning that there are obstacles in my way, but if I focus and if I work hard and I listen to people who are encouraging me and taking an interest in me and telling me the right way to do it, I can get better at something. And then we together can achieve something. It's one of life's most valuable lessons for any human. 
And so when I when I hear coaches, boy, they're not talking about plays and X's and O's and and wins and losses. They're talking about when their eyes light up the most is when they're talking about the people that they are pouring themselves into. And so we see we see Barnabas do this because it says verse twenty five. Uh, well, verse 24, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Now don't miss that. Because what's going on here is Barnabas is pouring himself into Saul. Now we've always looked at Paul as this guy who just seems to have all the answers. Well, boy, the more I read the book of Acts, I'm going to tell you, we're going to talk in the next few weeks about, about, you know, uh, at least one time when Paul was in the wrong. When he really messed up. And... And so, uh, what we're seeing here though, make no mistake, is that Barnabas is there to encourage Saul. Barnabas helps strengthen Saul's ministry for the future. All the time he spends with the churches, all those beautiful letters that he wrote to the churches, the foundation is being laid because a brother in Christ took the time to spend a year with him and pour himself into Saul. Make no mistake, he is strengthened during this time. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Now, this message this morning is not particularly or specifically focused on giving. But it is about generosity. And so what we see here, the reason I even included that last part today is because they saw the opportunity to be generous and they were what church family? They were generous. And so something that God wants from us is certainly that we be people who encourage others but also that we be people who are known as the early church was for what? For generosity generosity that has no explanation. Because so often in our world, we find that people are generous. Why? Because they want something later, as I mentioned in the opening. That they're generous because at some point, they want something back. I've known of people that own businesses, and they gave large sums of money to political candidates. As a matter of fact, I think I've mentioned this before. I knew a guy who was, man, he gave he gave to the nominee from one party and he gave generously to the nominee of another party. And I think that was a uh, that was a governor's race. 
in the state where we used to live. And it was simply because of his company was one that from time to time had government contracts. So what was he trying to do? Set him up. Didn't, he didn't care who won. He just, wanted, he just wanted the government contract later on. Right? Now, from a business standpoint, I guess it's not a bad idea. But it wasn't about supporting the candidate because he believed in their particular platform or their ideals. It was about setting things up for his business to prosper in the future. And God doesn't want us to be like that when we interact with other people. He does not want us to be transactional. And that's what the world gives us today. The world gives us transactional relationships. That's me going to someone and saying, Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be friends with this guy because I want him to do something for me later. Now, church family, make no mistake. That is unchristlike. Transactional behavior such as that. If that's the only reason you show interest in somebody, then you might as well be named Ananias or Sapphira. It's not what God... God wants us to be people who care enough about other people that we're willing to encourage them. We're willing to be generous. Generosity isn't just about money. Generosity can be about the time that we invest with other people. Barnabas going to Antioch and spending a year with Saul. Okay, that's generosity. I read a book not long ago. Uh, called Atomic Habits by a guy named James Clear. Uh, A few years ago, I mentioned a book called The Power of Habit by a guy named Charles Duhigg. Uh, This book is actually better. Uh, If you want to, uh, if you want to make better habits for yourself and maybe break some bad habits, uh, this guy gives you a clear roadmap to help do it. As a matter of fact, the the Subtitle here, Tiny Changes, Remarkable Results. And I personally have already put some of this into practice. But he uses the example of someone who is wanting to live a healthier lifestyle. And so they, when, when, they're, when it's time to eat, and you, you make a choice, right? We all have choices most every day of what we're going to eat, what we're going to put in our body. And so, uh, and so one of the subjects of the book started asking themselves, what would a healthy person do? And so, would a healthy person eat the double bacon cheeseburger, or would they eat, you know, the salad, or something like that? Okay, those are drastic differences, but nonetheless, they they started asking themselves, what would a healthy person do? And so, they found that that, just by asking themselves that question, that easily influenced their decision-making. Now, uh, the same thing went for, you know, waking up in the morning and it's, you know, should I lay here for five more minutes or should I just get out of bed and start working out? Well, they asked themselves, what would a healthy person do? All right, so the healthy, you know, the healthy person is going to drag their carcass out of bed and start working out. And so, uh, and so what I want us to get in the, to, to make it a point to do is ask yourself, 
when you see somebody, what would an encouraging person do? What would an encouraging person do? Or, when you have a chance to spend time with someone, or maybe it is opening your checkbook or something like that, but ask yourself, what would a generous person do? Now, obviously, I'm not suggesting we drive ourselves into the poorhouse by being generous. No. No. We're told in Luke chapter 3, John the Baptist teaches, it's when you have extra. When you have extra, give from your excess. Give from what you've been blessed with in the extra. Give that above what you would normally give. And so you ask yourself, and that's something that I think we can put into practice immediately this morning. What would an encouraging person do? What would a generous person do? Because church family, God wants us, God wants His servants to have pure hearts when interacting with other people. God wants His servants to be encouraging and to be generous. We can be those people. We just have to seek that for ourselves, to seek it for God's kingdom. But we can make tiny changes, and for the sake of God's kingdom, we can achieve remarkable results in the name of Jesus. If you are with us this morning, and you are not yet someone who has made the decision to make Jesus Christ Lord of your life, You can put on Christ in baptism before you leave here today. And we will rejoice with you. If you're with us this morning and there is something you need us to pray with you about, the invitation is offered for that reason as well. Let's stand together and sing.